All right, so it's Hello Climate Change. This is the podcast about waking up and taking action on climate change and all the issues that are sort of interwoven with that. And I'm trying to figure it out as I go along. And I'm really, actually, really excited to talk to you, Phoebe. This is Phoebe Godfrey, who's with me today, who's been thinking about this a a lot and is actually teaching a class on climate change at the University of Connecticut, not from the science end, but from the social end. So what you want, anything else I should say about you, Phoebe? Uh, So I'm a sociologist and I have a doctorate in sociology I teach at UConn. I'm not a tenure track person, which in a way gives me a little more freedom to invent myself. So I'm not as as focused on the things that we're supposed to be focused on. I'm focused more on practice, which mm. you don't really get rewarded for because uh, it is not tangible and not... You can't monitorize it in the same way. Saying like, well, you've been published here and you've spoken there. Or yeah, yeah, or I've gotten so much money to study, you know, right. what that- people think about climate change. Um, so I have developed, as Amy said, uh, a course called Society and Climate Change that I've been teaching for about five years now. And wow. I, I got it to be an official course in the um, course guide, so that that was a a happy achievement. Then I got a second course called Sustainable Societies, so they're they're sort of, the fall is the climate change, here's the problem, and the the idea is that the spring students have the option of taking the solution. Um, Interestingly enough, way more students took the Sustainable Societies than took the climate change class, um, and we can understand why that might be. And then I also teach a course, Sociology of Food, and I teach courses on sociology of education, sociology of religion, race, class, gender, stuff like that. And, I would love um, to take all of your classes. Well, thank you. And <laughs> in all of them, I would say that the overriding theme is social justice. Yeah. And um, I have become a, a, a very mindfully authentic person mm-hmm. and trying to have correspondence between my theory and my practice and you know if I'm discussing inequality I want to discuss it in a way that is mutually empowering Mm -hmm. Uh, not I'll tell you about inequality you shut up I talk and then you know um, because I think that that really just reinforces the very thing that we claim to be working against or opposed to and then on my personal life but Again, my personal and my professional life to me are synonymous. Mm. Um, UConn does fund me, but I like to believe that if I got fired tomorrow, I would continue to do the same work. I would just find a a new way of of funding me. Um, So I have a nonprofit with my wife that we started called Click. And uh, Amy, you know about this, right? The Commercial License Cooperative Kitchen which is based on the recognition that sustainability really has to begin with the food system, mm-hmm. right? Because food is the sort of foundation of which human societies right. are dependent on. And, and if we can't solve our food situation, then uh, 
we can't survive basically in a, in a kind of nutshell. And yeah. so click is looking at how to incubate more businesses locally that source locally, how to process more food locally and how to teach health and nutrition in ways that again, allow the culinary arts to come back and, mm-hmm. and really just kind of underline the art part, you know, that food is, food is an art yeah. and eating is an art mm-hmm. and cooking is an art. And, um, and, you know, I, I'm an artist too, and I do paintings and photography and all that stuff. So. Oh, so awesome. And there's so much of it that, like, I feel like I haven't tapped into anywhere near all of the, um, overlaps in our interests and, um, but it's like the time will come. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. About, and this is a good start. Yeah, and one of good. the many good starts we've been having. So, oh boy, there's a lot to pick from to get to talk about. So, well, let's go all the way back to you talking about the two classes and that most people that they're having more turnout for yeah. the sustainable societies than for a class on the problem, mm-hmm. so, so to speak. And, you know, I can kind of infer what you what you're referring to about why that might be, but I'd love to hear your interpretation. Well, I think as a as a culture, we don't like reality. Um, we're in, we're a culture of denial, and um, you know, climate change denial is a is kind of a buzzword. Yeah. And, but I would argue that it's across the board, whether it's we deny death, we deny, you know, the realities of aging, we deny, you know, the realities of, of abuse, of racism, of, of, you know, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And so when you list a course, climate change, it, right. it doesn't have that, oh, I want to find out, you know, what's the the negative things that are going on in society. Yeah. And, and after a couple of semesters of, of a pretty small class, I um, had it turned into a, a W, which is capped at 19 students. A W means it's writing intensive. Okay. So kind of anticipating that, that it, it does have a small draw, um, it's now... Ironically, every student at UConn has to take two W's. Okay. And so, in a way, I've I've set them up that they will take it because they need the W, not necessarily because they're mm-hmm. interested in climate change. And again, part of my motivation there is to ensure that there is a cross-discipline interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, I have students from the natural sciences. I have students from marketing. I have mm-hmm. nursing students. I have, you know, who are just taking, I need a, I need a W yeah. and the, you know, Oh God, this fits into my schedule. Yeah. All right. Climate change, whatever, you know, and, and yeah. now, you know, are having their whole world mm-hmm. just kind of turned upside down. Right. Um, because I would say the goal of the class is, is to, get the students to, to see society in themselves in a way that they never have um, and to really understand why we are doing what we are doing and what is it that we are doing? What is, you know, in a, yeah. in a, a kind of no holes bar. And, um, and again, the sustainability one is, is, is a lot more on, you know, what could we do and um, how can we imagine the world differently? Mm-hmm. And it, it was a really fun class to teach because, again, it allowed me to use the classroom as like a little 
experiment, you know, having them sit on the floor in a circle. Like, how does this feel different than sitting in rows and chairs? Um, What's this got to do with sustainability? You know, let's meditate. What's this got to do with sustainability? And sort of raising, Mm -hmm. raising questions that I, I also do on the climate change, but it's just, it's just got a, a, a more vibrant feel to it. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about the idea of denial that you were saying Mm -hmm. and, I think I'm imagining people listening to this and being like, I don't get it, you know, because, okay. because of that, that's so prevalent, that, that, that state. I wonder if there's, we could pick one of those, maybe it's racism, maybe it's something, I don't know, maybe it's climate yeah. change itself, but, but something where we can like, sort of like, look at what that means. Okay. Yeah. So for me, denial, you know, you, you could take uh you know, you could take even a Buddhist perspective to it, right? Mm-hmm. That that all is illusion, right? Mm-hmm. And for, for sociologists, everything is, is invented, right? The entire reality into which we live is a human construction. Mm-hmm. And so part of the, the root of denial is is that I am not awake to the fact that I'm creating this reality, right? And I'm not realizing that, you know, ah, you're, you're frustrating me, Amy. And it's like, but, but I'm contributing to it. I'm yeah. baiting you. I'm playing into it. I'm engaged. I'm still in the, you know, and I, and yet I'm, I'm in denial that I, I have a responsibility there and that the feeling of frustration is my own creation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we, we don't as a culture have that reflexiveness of, of seeing ourselves as agents, seeing ourselves as, um, beings who are constantly co-creating the very things that we claim are happening to us. us. And it doesn't mean that, you know, Oh, I bring on, you know, this bad thing to me. It's not a karma thing. No, it's not a karma thing at all. It's, it's, it's how do I interpret that which I do not control that comes to me and owning that how I interpret it is, is my, Mm -hmm. is my piece. And then another, and like maybe a flip flip of the, of the sort of, of, of seeing it as a sense of responsibility and a sense of failure would be that. How do we realize that we actually have power to change things? Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think that that's a really nice point that the sort of opposite of, of denial is, is in many ways kind of affirmation or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, even empowerment or you're choosing instead of saying, ah, you know, why is the world this? And why is that happening? Or, or like I said, you know, the issue of racism or, you know, if you're, if you happen to be a a white skin, oh, it can't be that bad. And it's like, all the evidence is there. You know, there's like 500 years of documented evidence, Mm -hmm. including YouTube videos, right? You know, and yet you're still not willing to name it because to name it implies that you are either, Mm -hmm. you know, in in colluding with it, you're benefiting from it, you're getting something uh, from your refusal to to just take the evidence mm-hmm. you know and and you know i often tease my students you know like ah oh, yeah you know democracy you know united states founded on democratic principles equality and justice for all except for ding 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 ding, ding <laughs> you know 500 years slavery you know nearly 400 years of women's oppression including right. you know you name it genocide yeah. da, da, da. oh but we're still you know and it's like how do we even get away with 
saying that phrase with equality and justice yeah. for all. It's a yeah. totally meaningless yeah. phrase, right? And but denial is what allows you to say that, hmm. right? You know, God bless America. And right. I was like, well, what? You know, if you again, like yeah. you, you know, if you break that down and you say, well, what does that really mean? Yeah. Uh, it can only have meaning if you are in some kind of illusion yeah. that the United States, first of all, actually exists, which mm. it doesn't, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's, it's an imaginary it's place. It's a sense. contract, yeah. you know, that we yeah. believe that we are in some kind of relationship with, you know, right. other people right. we've never met right. and probably wouldn't like if we met, maybe, <laughs> or, you know, something like that. And and then, you know, we, we think about, well, you know, if I'm saying God bless America, what am I saying about all the other people on the planet? Mm-hmm. And who is yeah, this God? Yeah, and yeah. why would this God like me better mm-hmm. than, you know, the Iraqis mm-hmm. or See, the Bangladeshis? When or, I hear all this, I think back to being a really young child and it's all the questions you have as a young child. Of but, course. But why, why are there homeless people? Or why does this, why is there war? Why is there, why, what are, you know, what are all these things that you're telling me are the way the world is? And and I, I guess like, there's a part of me when I hear the word denial that feels like I think I feel bad enough about myself to then, I but I I not saying that it's not true, mm-hmm. but there's some way in which I need to rephrase it for myself so yeah. that I can even look at it. Okay, and and that's funny because that's what denial is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah. I can't even look at this. Yeah, but no, what I think of is like there was a time when when all of these things were fresh to me mm-hmm. and they didn't feel right to me. And I was taught by the people who made the world safe for me and took care of me and, and were the authorities as far as I knew that there was nothing that they could do about it either. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of feels like we inherited denial yeah. from way back. Like I was recently thinking about this. There's a number thing. Humans have been on the earth for 200,000 years mm-hmm. for about the only the last 200 of those years. So 19, what is that? 1,000, 100,000, oh, uh, Sorry, I'm going to get, I'm getting this wrong. For the last 2,000 years. So for 198,000 years, we were basically trying to survive mm-hmm. <laughs> as a species. And for the last 2,000 years, we've still acted like it's all about survival that it's our my tribe needs to survive and at the expense of that tribe and um and you know we have to believe in this idea that that the the men know what's best and yeah. you know like that because we had to divide labor at some point um between defense and nurturing and conquest and all these things and um it just seems like we're we're needing to wake up out of something that's been over for 2000 years this yeah. this this idea that we're all about survival there's plenty all the problems that threaten us now are completely man made yeah war climate change etc poverty yeah. yeah and i'm not even yeah. even sure that you know our ancestors really were just about mm. survival i mm-hmm. you know i'm mm. i'm not convinced that hunter gatherers were so impoverished mm-hmm. as we Right, farmers, because you know we are the in, the inheritors of of the agricultural revolution, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the studies that I have my students look at mm-hmm. in my sociology food class actually documents that you know hunter gatherers at the beginning of agriculture were taller, healthier, had better teeth, you know, uh, lived more egalitarian, more mm-hmm. kind of. Right. thriving 
type tribe community mm-hmm. um, livings and versus the the advent of agriculture which created this hierarchy which created ownership right. of people and animals and land and um, mm-hmm. and then you you know you see the high levels of of inequality and once you have high levels of inequality then you need more sophisticated ways of protecting you know from the haves or the haves nots right. and so you see the the advent of the military you see the advent of of the religious teachers who who are there to to legitimize mm-hmm. the inequality whereas you right. know with hunter gatherers it was more a notion of animism and what, you know this can you this, animism uh, is what where that everything has spirit in it oh okay right that it you know the right. the um idea of mm-hmm. of to animate to make yeah. alive and um and so we you know we look at those people now as as primitive yeah. right who you know say oh you know water spirit or tree spirit or you yeah. know but fr- from their perspective yeah. there wasn't the concept of religion as in you know an institution from which you get you know teachings right. or blessings or you know the right. whole world right. was alive and right. spiritual um and so I think, you know, well, again, going back to denial, I think, you know, the biggest denial that came with farming was that that we can control the earth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that the earth is, is, you know, and you kind of look at, mm-hmm. um, you know, the story of Genesis and, you yeah. know, the idea that God's punishment to Adam was to make him a farmer, you know. Um, oh, I never heard it said that way. Yeah, to make him a farmer. Yeah, I mean, the, I thought of it as just getting kicked out of the garden. But yeah, but, but then it, the, the you next know, the exact is, words are: "By the sweat of your brow, you will oh, you wow. will labor, and wow. and you will labor for the rest of your life." And hmm. you know, and and some of some of my ideas have been greatly influenced by Daniel Quinn's Ishmael, hmm. which is a wonderful yeah. fiction. I've um, always heard. I've, I've not read it, but yeah, I have things. my students read it in, huh. in climate change and in uh-huh. sociology of food because it it invites them to, to sort of look at the agricultural hunter-gatherer model as as two very different ways of, of seeing the world right. and that the, the, the farmer model is based on this idea that the world was made for man, for, for us and that mm-hmm. it's our world you know and even if you listen you know to the the climate change language we're going to save the planet yeah. it's our planet yeah. you know well that that comes yeah. from a kind of farmer control hmm. and ultimately denial mentality that 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 we are one of multiple species yeah. upon which we have evolved through right. you know relationship with them we do not own this planet we do not have any idea where we came from we don't have any idea where we're going right. um and and we are not going right. to save anything the only thing yeah. if possibly we may be able to continue our existence yeah. on the planet but that requires a whole shift of seeing reality which right. is that we are completely dependent on the yeah. laws of the universe yeah. Right, not the laws of that we make up. That we make up, right? <laughs> you know, the, the law of supply and yeah. demand, or the law of whatever. Right. You know. So, I mean, so like we were saying before we started recording, where do we go from here? You know, yeah. like, and not like I expect you to have answers, but what, like, what is the edge for you right now? Where, where is your thinking, and what are you trying to figure out? And, um, I mean, I feel like. 
like for me, it feels like it makes a lot of sense that there's a connection between the issues of climate change and social injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that everyone sees that connection. Yeah, no, they don't. So, but and and so for me, the the, the like putting your energy into click makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you? How would you describe that to somebody who doesn't see it? Do, would, do you have a way, or is it is it a simple? It's not simple. But. Uh, I mean, I think if you again, if you go back to kind of the essence of well, what is mm-hmm. what is climate change, right? Mm-hmm. What, you know, yeah. well, it's it 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 comes from the means of production, right? The ways in, in which we are creating commodities to to feed a certain notion of of what is the good life, mm-hmm. right? It comes from incredible amounts of of extractive practices, right? Mm-hmm. And and the very notion that, you know, I can own all of these resources and and I can use them for for my profit. So I take, you know, a a, a value Material like oil or coal mm-hmm. or gas, and you know, and I turn it into something of absolutely no value, money, right? But it, it you know, it's money with again within the illusion that that we have created. Back for to ourselves. the contract, you know, back we... to the contract, back to the the denial. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and uh, somebody who speaks nicely of this is David Corton, mm-hmm. of you know, real wealth versus sort of imaginary wealth. Imaginary wealth is is money. Real wealth is trees and you know and relationships nice clean water and relationships and clean air and stuff like that <laughs> um, so again yeah. you know what i try to get my students to see is that climate change is really about a, a very mistaken notion of who we are mm-hmm. uh, as beings on this planet right. and the way the planet actually works mm-hmm. right and we're we're completely going against you know all of the uh, the teachings of of the trees or all the teachings of the river right? you know that that waste is food waste is there is no such thing as waste there is right. no such thing as you know a, a missed opportunity you know so just to slow that down yeah. for people to get what you mean by waste is food because the things that we the organic waste is the food that creates the new food absolutely it's, it's e- compost everything, <laughs> everything from yeah. Yeah. you know dead trees to dead bodies to dead right. you know yeah. beings to dead microbes yeah. everything mm-hmm. is something else's food mm-hmm. right whereas we create waste that feeds nothing right right it, you know and so we have like a linear cycle right or right. A, not a not cycle a linear yeah. track of production and ending up in waste yeah. where nature has has a circular cycle right. so right. so again you know if we're asking well what can we do where do we put our energies you know why am i putting my energy into click or you know i'm mm-hmm. looking for a way how can we kind of mimic those teachings of of creating circular engagements right where you know even this interview there's no waste here right any anything that that comes from this will be used for somebody else right to to pollinate their ideas mm-hmm. and and so it it it's producing information and innovation rather than just extracting right, right? um and the fact that the, the internet is the most amazing kind of circular relationship tool that humans have ever invented mm-hmm. right and so in in many ways i feel like the internet has has returned us to the tribe mm-hmm. right because yeah. we are able to have 
connections that that are horizontal when you know we have come out of a very uh kind of linear culture yeah right yeah. it's the web and it's going it's right. going across relationships rather than just through hierarchy right. um so again to to answer you know i think understanding the causes of climate change are incredibly important at the same time though seeing those same causes in your own thinking seeing that the logic that has created climate change is also like you were saying when we look at ourselves as children mm -hmm. and then you know and y your betters trained you to no longer ask those questions like mm -hmm. you know why is sky blue or why you know where do we go when we die it's like you know those are the questions that we need to go back to mm -hmm. right yeah. so i see the you know the solution in in that innate curiosity in humans yes right that that it, you know finding finding young people who just say wait wait a minute why do why do i go get you know spend thirty thousand dollars become in debt to get a piece of paper that i don't care about to do something i don't care right. about to to make money to pay back the debt that to get the piece of paper in the first place right. all right it's right. like great that's begin there begin yeah. break that pattern and and ask why am i doing this mm -hmm. and find a new answer yeah you know i was just telling a student in, in my in my office you know he's like i i you know he's from a, a lower income background and you know struggled to be in college and he's like you know i want to make a lot of money and then give that money to a good cause you know, and and I was thinking of that quote you have on one of your one of your pieces of art, Amy, where it says, you know, what the world needs is, you know, is people with. Yeah, the quote is. Um, uh, oh, I could even. You know, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yeah. what what you care about, because what the world needs is people who are passionate, right? It's, it's Something cl close to that. Close to that. Yeah, yes. and so I was saying, to him, you know, <laughs> don't spend your lifeblood making right. money for for the status quo so that you can then give it and do good right. find something that you care about the money will come mm -hmm. and then there's no right. division between you know i'm 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 doing the dirty work over here so i can fund the good over right. here right. and i'm like that's the old thinking yeah. that there's something about uh, that's really exciting about a fundamental shift in in um trusting our human nature mm -hmm. um, so that we know that the things that we're passionate about, the things that feed us, that make us excited, that when we engage in them, we're happier and take better care of ourselves and, you know, life looks brighter. Those things actually are good for the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the quote is something is, is a little, the, the, it says, don't ask what the world needs do what makes you come alive because what oh, the world yeah. needs is more people who have come alive. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. That's really nice to tie that in. To it, this. Yeah. it fits perfectly. And, yeah. and again, you know, to, to, to come alive, you do have to tap into, you know, as a sociologist, I wouldn't use the term human nature. I would use the okay. term kind of your, your spirit because right. I tend to think of human nature as, as the social part, okay. as the part that gets socialized. Okay. Right. And, and you know, mm -hmm. and I often tease my students, but like, you know, the only thing we can say about humans or human nature is that, you know, all humans need to eat, you know, they like to reproduce, uh, they die and they create imaginary worlds. Right. Mm -hmm. That's sort of our nature, but, but our spirit 
is curiosity, intelligence, um, collaboration. Compa- I mean, okay. you know, ca- kind of distinguishing because part of what I see in terms of the future is is, is breaking through one's socialization, right? Breaking through mm-hmm. again, going back to your example of you know what we were told right, were right. the answers what we were told is the way to live your life versus what we were told the, were the limits yeah and versus yeah. the spirit of the child yeah. right who who wants to say well why are we doing this right. way well, it doesn't make any sense you know yeah. why does the emperor have no clothes on you know you know and again using that as the metaphor of you know why do we live in a society that is destroying the planet that right. doesn't make any sense right. but it makes only makes sense if you are socialized into yeah. that logic mm-hmm. and you see it as well that's just the way it is and there's no other option for yeah. this is going to sound maybe this is going to sound ridiculous but the thought i'm having is for me right now it all goes back to confronting fear of death and the reason i say that is that to stop as adults to stop living to stop kind of turning the wheels of this kind of crazy system Mm -hmm. we have to face our biggest fears because to get off of that you know everything has been telling us for your safety and security and for your well-being and for your future you know whatever that you need to do these things and you kind of like all right i'll just make my life in the margins of that um but i i do have to have money to buy food blah 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 and you go into this place where you kind of we're there's on a certain level we're we're the system needs isn't changed yet and we have to live with what we've got and at another level we can be changing it mm-hmm. um and the more of us ourselves that we can free up to be changing it the better and the only way to do that is to take on a little bit more scary scary yeah you know? no i completely yeah. agree i one of the first readings i have my students read is written by a uh, an iraq a war vet mm. and I can't think of his name but he's just turned it into a book it was in the New York Times it's called Learning to Die in the Anthropocene mm. um, and his his position is you know he he went to Iraq and fe- faced his death every day mm. you know feeling today I could be killed by a you know this or that mm. um, and then you know to come home and and realize that you know the the real threat is not the Iraqi people or, you mm-hmm. know, any of our, of our imaginary, um, enemies out there. It's, yeah. it's, it's ourselves. It's mm-hmm. what we are doing to the planet. Mm-hmm. And that unless we face death, um, and, and, and kind of yeah. sit with the, the death culture that we are creating, right? Because in many ways, you know, the denial of death is the creation of, of mechanisms of death mechanisms of death right <laughs> yeah. because you know, yeah. you know the very thing that you you fear is you, is always you what you yeah. what you feed yeah. um and you know and his his thing you know to to address climate change begins with the the death of this culture and the death of the identity of the of each of us that has been built by this culture the concept of progress the concept of you know you you even said when i arrived that you you know you can uh, you know enjoy this weather and and it even though it's it's climate change and you know what i partly interpreted it from you is like you know we're we're so self-effacing right like yeah. i'm not allowed to go out and just enjoy it i should be working or i should be feeling miserable or i should yeah. be being productive you know the idea of just 
doing nothing and yeah. sitting in the sunshine because you want to sit in the yeah. sunshine is sort of what? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're made for. Exactly. We feed ourselves until we don't need food and you're not hungry in the moment and we sleep until we've been rested and Exactly. And <laughs> I know. We seek out people when you know. Yeah, I t I told and and that's what's missing. We don't get to be you know, creatures, creatures. We, we don't get to be the, creatures. Yeah. We, you know, we, we, yeah. so, well, let me just say the thing that I had said to you uh, for the people listening when, 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 oh, yeah. when Phoebe arrived, you know, it's been a beautiful day here. It's like in the seventies and we're in the middle of October. And, and I said, I've decided, or I've realized that I'm allowed to enjoy the weather, even though, mm -hmm. you know, it's a reflection of climate change. Um, and that actually, it sounds so trivial, but it's such a big deal. It is. It, because, the subject of climate change is so, uh, for me anyway, it's, I, mean, I don't think it's just me, but it's so just overwhelming. And, and, um, part of it is the, the very first steps are to move through the discouragement that, that, that you feel around it, or at least that I feel around it. And the, the, the guilt that I feel around it, because I felt bad about the way we've been treating the environment since I've been aware of that, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, and that has been since maybe I was 10 and I still had and I had no power to change it, um, then, but what I feel bad about is that it feels like I went to sleep and just accepted that I had no power to change mm -hmm. that. That's denial, what you're talking yeah. about until recently. And so to even take that on means I have, I have to face feeling all those years that I've I've missed. One thing that I think about a lot lately is, um, you know, I'm also teaching college mm -hmm. students, and and I'm teaching graphic design, and I I find it a little. I'm still figuring my ways to make this a class about things that are bigger. Yeah. Um. And and really, that's what I want more than anything is for it to be a, a place where they're exploring what they're going to do with themselves and how mm -hmm. they're going to engage with the world, and not just being about how to make a nice poster. Yeah. Um. But um, one thing I keep thinking about is I wish I could just say to them, "You get to set up your life. You get to set up your life, and you don't have to set it up on the terms that have been sold to you. Mm -hmm. You don't need to buy into. I need a house with a white picket fence. I mean, that's probably yeah. an antiquated, yeah. you know, metaphor, example metaphor, yeah. right? But 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 like to set up a set up a lifestyle that actually is going to feed you, mm -hmm. you know. And I and I now at forty five, I'm I'm like trying to to engage with that like how do i rearrange my life because like you know i live i live 20 minutes 15 minutes away from you but you're living you live in a neighborhood of you know in the town where you're part of this you're, you're setting up this mm -hmm. um this great non-profit cooperative yeah. business around food that's totally makes complete sense and you're right in that town and a part of me has stayed away from it because i'm not even in that town mm -hmm. you know and it's not i i would love to be within walking distance of the of of community in a sense that i'm not here and then yet again i really love that i can just walk into the woods with my dog yeah <laughs> so i haven't figured it out yet but i keep thinking i just need to get more people living in my house <laughs> that's the first yeah thing. you could you know bring community to you yeah uh, yeah you know and i i think again you know going back to the internet yeah physical mm -hmm. location it has right. a very different meaning yeah. now than it than it did mm -hmm. right and and um Obviously, you know you can have community through your podcast, right? Mm -hmm, and, right. You know, and, and it's a it's a it's a 
a valid but different way yeah. of of engaging um and you know my our, my choice or Tina and I's choice to to live in a, in a town and you know it, it has has different but I don't think it you know or better or worse right. it's it's just uh I'm very much a, a kind of hands-on person yeah, yeah. and you know I once attempted to start a blog and I I just couldn't do it. I I, <laughs> I read you know, it by the way. Yeah, I posted one one thing on it, and you know I write for a local the little paper which you yeah, read that mm-hmm. uh, piece on masculinity and climate change, which and, I want to get um, to next. And so. you know, for for me, my my gifts are 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 face to face. I mean, that's yeah. you know where I I have tremendous ability to. To sh- to shift people without them resenting me, um, and and that's that's a, that's a fine line, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because you know it's 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 to invite people basically to shift themselves by creating the opportunity where that is a desired mm. initiative, mm-hmm. right? So it, it, instead of you know I'm going to change you, Amy, and make you agree with me on climate change, it's like you know creating a, a context where you are curious about hmm, you know what do I what do I think about my religion let me look at that and you know and the minute you start you know looking at it you find holes in your mm-hmm. own thinking and and then those are the holes that you can go through you know to to the next level mm-hmm. um, I like how you, you know, put that like you know cuz religion is a whole other piece that contributes to climate change, you know, the story that, you know, again, going back, you know, God gave man the earth and, right. and he got to name the animals and yeah. he got to do these things. And, you know, and, and, you know, even if you, we don't believe in it, even if we um, don't even know it, it shapes, you know, the fabric of, of the cultural narrative mm-hmm. um, within which we construct our own ideas so there's two things that you said that i want to try to get to before we run out of time um one is that i want to go back to something you said about farming Mm -hmm. um and the other is i've been wanting to get to um talking about masculinity and male dominance is the way i put it and you were putting it in your article hegemony but um um but anyway, let's first talk about the farming thing because I just wanted to follow up on something you said way earlier, and that was, um, you know, just like looking at farming through this lens of of dominating the earth, mm-hmm. um, rather than it being sort of a a sort of a a relationship in in, in a way that's more harmonious. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so. I feel like I can imagine people wondering, well, are, is she saying that we should not be farming? And well, <laughs> okay, so um, I mean, as as with anything, there there are you know degrees to yeah. which one practices something yeah. and and the the overall intention. Um, Daniel Quinn, who again wrote Ishmael, he he uses a term that I like a lot, um, which is totalitarian farming mm-hmm. um, to distinguish. A, a more integrated way of farming, and you know you could 
for simplicity's sake, say that lots of indigenous practices were more integrated type farming. Mm -hmm. So they're they're mixed hunter gathering. There's there's farming, uh, maybe in terms of the three sisters, to take an example mm -hmm. from so from three the indigenous sisters people, being corn, beans, corn, beans, and squash, and, squash. and seeing those right. as as a relationship, as right. um, as having uh, spiritual connections so there's sort of the corn goddess and the, mm -hmm. you know and they're 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 looking at at the earth not as you know an instrument out of which we will extract food but as as a a, a kind of steward or a relationship mm -hmm. that yeah, yeah. you know we're putting in the seed but it's mother earth who is going to germinate right. them, who is going to produce them. And they them. would put a fish under each, exactly. each yes. little clump of those plants together. The fish would go in as fertilizer, so it's like an exchange. Yeah, right. and you put tobacco and you say prayers. Yes. And, you know, and, and again, you know, since we're going to talk about masculinity, a lot of this links also to conceptions of gender, right? Yeah. The, you know, the... the um, recent anthropological views or you know are that it was women who developed farming um obviously you know like you were saying men were off hunting but hunting was incredibly unreliable right. um 80% of of food from hunter gatherers was was gathered or small scale mm -hmm. farming um so then we have mm -hmm. you know the advent of of agriculture in the fertile crescent and the, the the linking of agriculture with a surplus right and once you have a surplus then you can have slaves then, then you, can you can have military have storage, then you can have and storage then there's, then there's, and then the storage can be owned and used right, exactly. by yeah. the pharaoh or the yeah. you know the king um, and then you start to look at 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 the whole process as one of 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 a being about power mm -hmm. right, right. Community survival, three sisters versus, yeah. you know, if I cut down that whole forest there and we, you know, we grow all this food, then we can, you know, have da da da. Um, so I think, you know, farming in of itself is a tool. It's kind of, you know, um, but the question is, what are the, what are the social relations around it? What is the intention? You know, and now we have the industrial agriculture system, which, you know, is the primary contributor to greenhouse gas, whether it's yep. through the production, the distribution, the transportation, da, 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 da. Right. you know, um, and which doesn't, and, and I want to slow down right there because yeah. I don't think many people know that. Yeah. I think because there's such a focus on fossil fuels that, and, and even though they're a part of, they are a part of why yeah. we industrial farming i mean they're a huge part of why industrial yeah. farming is such a huge emitter but um but but that is the primary place where we're where we're polluting yeah i mean the the yeah. cow farts as i like to you know <laughs> yeah tease my students um all of the yeah. when you add um nitrogen to the soil right. the soil can't capture as much carbon yeah. so when you have high organic matter in yeah. the soil the soil becomes a carbon uh sponge or yeah. absorber and right. then you know so so kind of looking at this this larger system which links back to, you know to your second question of you know the whole concept of patriarchy and how much the sort of totalitarian farming concept linked with our notion of masculinity and patriarchy mm -hmm. where, you know, again, if you look at the Ten Commandments and the commandment, thou shalt not 
covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his ox, nor his manservant, right. you know. And so, so along with, you know, more intensive agriculture, we see the owning of people, the owning of land, the owning of women, the owning of, mm-hmm. of cattle, and, and that becoming mm-hmm. the measure of, of success. You know, success and or, wealth and hierarchy. Right, and, right. Um, and so, you know, the pairing of very patriarchal right. religions with agricultural practices and then you know mother earth or pachamama or gaia then becomes the conquered feminine yeah. of which the, the you know the male yeah. industrialist or the male farmer mm-hmm. or the male sort of king is going to have ownership over mm-hmm. um and and use for right. empowerment and yeah and it's it becomes sort of the backdrop of our uh, how we form a, an image of ourselves because mm-hmm. we live in a society that that embraces this kind of value system that is based on you know and i i think about capitalism and 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 uh um um the valuing of productivity mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is you know just kind of i i have that what is the Nazi thing that was um an Arbart Mach Frey. Um a work will set you free. Yeah. 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 And um yeah, I mean there's and not to say that everything's sinister. It's just that it's everything's misguided. Mm-hmm. And that we've like to bring it to a personal level, because I, I that's yeah. the only way we can really make any mm-hmm. changes to bring it back down to the personal level. Like one thing for me that's been huge in thinking about climate change is been thinking about sexism and male domination mm-hmm. as a woman um, raised in without anybody inoculating me in the sense of of what I want to say by that. What I mean by that is without anybody actually pointing it out to me, so that so that I grew up in a system that. Uh, valued the, what the guys were doing more than what the girls were doing, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't see it, yeah. so I just saw myself as less. Like I think of an art class I took when I was, you know, eighteen, nineteen, and first in college, and and I was had been determined to become an artist since I was five, and um, you know had always been told that I was talented and brilliant and was going to be doing great things, and I get into this new environment, and I have this art teacher who 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 only seriously critiqued and nurtured the men in the class mm-hmm. and would walk around behind all of our easels and have the guys a couple of his you know th- trail around with him and he would point things out on everybody's work not for the sake of the person making the work but for the yeah. sake of the guys that he was nurturing yeah. and i would i would remember being so like eager to be validated mm-hmm. and wondering what it is that's wrong with me and not seeing it, not seeing that this has nothing to do with me. This yeah. is just a, this is just a lens that I'm being seen through that completely that will that will always devalue me in a certain way. And and it's one very very small example, and everybody has them. There's mm-hmm. so many of them, and it's such a small example when you start to look at all the ones that there are out there. But um, but when you come back to like what women know about the ways that we've been spared some of the pressures that are put on men from very young ages to be, I mean, they are not a man unless they can fight, unless they can, you know, we, there's never been a question of whether or not you're a woman Mm -hmm. according to whether, whether or not you're 
anything. It's that that's your gender. But for a man, they have to earn their gender in a sense. And, and the pressures that are on them, I think cloud their thinking. Not all of them, not all to all. It's I'm generalizing, of course, but, but I guess what I come to is like, if we look at that stuff, we get to start to wake up from that illusion and start to reclaim what we know and, and our voices. And, um, just to try to make a difference around climate change, yeah. you know, it matters to be able to have a voice and feel like whether or not people are agreeing to, with you or listening to you, <laughs> that yeah. it still is valid and you don't need some man to tell you that you're okay. And I mean, I'm going kind of off on a tangent here, but well, no, for me personally, I, it's... Yeah. And, it's the, you know, I would add that a lot of that also, or all of that, you know, necessitates in conversations around race and Mm -hmm. around class, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we live in a male-dominated society, but lots of men are very disempowered, you know, by concepts of race or by Mm -hmm. concepts of class. And, you know, and so the the article that that you had mentioned that I wrote, you know, this concept Mm of hegemonic masculinity is is more, you know, not all men are empowered, but all men have this ideal put over them mm-hmm. to which you know they seek to measure up in various ways but but most do not because it's it's an ideal it's a it's a mm-hmm. it's an exaggerated type um and it gets used to control men as much as it gets used to to control women and mm-hmm. obviously yeah. you know the ultimate hegemonic masculinity is sort of the white, you know, middle-class straight, you know, uh, uh, all of that. Um, So when we look at, you know, who is engaging in the strongest or loudest forms of climate change denial, well, it's the white, hegemonic, you know, masculine group uh, for, for whom... Any is the most threatening, right? The the concept that the way they have not only constructed their identities, the way they have created their wealth, the way they mm-hmm. have um, kind of organized the, their ways of being is under under threat, right. um, or and needs to be changed if we are right. going to sustain ourselves. Right, and, and how nice for them to be freed of that, but that's hard to see. Yeah. And the nice thing also is, I mean, I have to remind myself of this, it's not all over the world like this. It's our no. country. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. there are obviously great differences around the world, but I still yeah. think, you know, the elites of most of the countries of the world yeah. subscribe to the American ideological model, right? right. Because we, right. you know, and and because of Hollywood and because of our consumerism and our corporations, we represent, right. you know, the ideals to which um, people around the world, whether it's the ideal skin color, the ideal food, you know, eating right. at McDonald's, bleaching your skin, you know, getting your uh, eye surgery yep. done, straightening your hair, bleaching, you right. know, doing all these things <laughs> that that are trying to imitate, aspire you know, to, aspire to yeah. um, this this very uh, intentional manipulation of uh, to advance a. a, right. a a kind of underlying corporate ideology. And, and I mean, you can't leave out the fact that so many people in the world's complete livelihood depends on, on, um, 
satisfying our whims, mm-hmm. <laughs> what it is that we want for clothing. And, you know, we want cantaloupes. So, yeah. you know, whatever the, I've talked about that in Argentina, how all the good farmland goes to the stuff they can export to yeah. us and all those hillsides, which are collapsing because they're farming them and shouldn't be is where they're going to have to grow their own lo- yeah. you know, little humble crops of corn to, to survive. So we have been talking for a while. So I, I, believe it or not, we're, we're closing in and we should okay. stop. Okay. But I would love to do this again with sure. you. Um, the article we've been talking about, is that something that people can, can I think find? it's if they go to neighbors.com, uh, it's called Hegemonic Masculinity in Three Parts. Okay. It's also getting reprinted in, in a, a book that I have coming out that's an edited volume called Systemic Crises, uh, Global Climate Change, and Race, Class, Gender. I think I just got that around the opposite way. I think it's Race, Class, Gender, and Global Climate Change. Um, And that's uh, being put out by Rutledge, and it's an interdisciplinary, international, um, edited volume, Mm -hmm. co-edited with myself and my co-editor, Denise Torres, um, so it'll be in that and that book will be out next year. And it, you know, it's it sort of looking at, at climate change through this lens of, you know, how is it constructed and affecting people in terms of race mm-hmm. and class and gender. And so there's art and poetry and activists and journalists and academics and kind of trying to create a more holistic view yeah. rather than just sociologists or just climate scientists right. or just, you know, political scientists. Sounds great. Do yeah. you know when it's supposed to come out? Uh, 2012. Yeah. Wait. in the early part of it's 2015 now. Oh, 2016. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm, I'm a terrible numbers person. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah. So that's not that far off. That's no, great. No, no. Um, cool. I can't wait yeah, to see it. So. Anything else you want to say? Um, I, I could talk for hours, but, yeah. um, well, we should do this again. I would love to. I yeah. would definitely love to. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but I, I may have. To me, it's more interesting to have repeated conversation, you know, more than one conversation Mm. with people rather than just one, because I feel like it's the second and third conversations where you start to, I mean, they're all good, but then we get deeper and we go further and rather than it's, you know, being sort of a buffet of people, it's more like, let's get deep into this thinking and where we want to take it. And, you know, the people I'm talking to are my community. And so you know, hopefully this will help me figure out where I plug in in a way that's, um, that's more physical. And Mm -hmm. I only mean that in terms of, um, you know, mostly my plug in has been mental is what I mean to say, you know, and, and conversation is sort of a conduit from the mental to the physical. So I never said that before, but I like it. No, I like it. No, my, I, I say that with my students, not exactly like that, but the same concept that, you know, where they'll say, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing it. I'm like, yeah, you are. You're changing. Mm. You're changing. I mean, what do you mean you're not doing anything? You're, you know, you, two weeks ago you thought this, now you think that. Right. And, and you, you can't act until, Mm. you know, you've, you've scaffold, you know the right. the platform of self upon which you're going to act upon, right? I mean, yeah, it's that's so you know, important. so so it, it. I don't think it it's oh my god, let me run out and do something because you probably do the wrong thing because yeah. you're not, you know, fully it, it, kind of uh, fully 
I don't, I don't want to say re, I'm hesitating because I don't want to say re-educated, but fully aware of, yeah. of what your gifts are and right. what you are called to do. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a really important piece of sort of developing your intuition and listening of, you know, what, what do I have to bring to this because not everybody should be doing podcasts. Not everybody should be teaching. Not everybody should be organizing a a community kitchen. Not everybody should be, you know, that there's places for, for all of our gifts and, and taking the time and, and, and being quiet enough to sort of, to listen to, you know, what do, what do I feel called to do? Um, and then you get authentic action, not, um, just reaction. Right. Oh, thank you for saying that. I needed to hear that. Okay. <laughs> so well, thank, thank you. you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for, for listening. Awesome. All right, until next time. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.